Wine Monk Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Hello! Hey! So, this is my first attempt at a podcast for you guys. Uh, I'm here with my friends Mia and Zach. They're all the way in Colorado. We are drinking a bottle of the Sand Reckoner Z tonight. The vintage is 2012. It is 80% Zinfandel, 13% Multipulciano. You know, you should say it like, you know, Multipulciano! And 7% Cabernet Sauvignon from Cochise County. The wine is coming from his estate vineyard as far as I'm aware. So let's crack this guy open. Awesome. So we've already met San Reckoner in one of our earlier blog posts about his Malvasia Bianca, which, as everyone knows, is my girlfriend, if my girlfriend was a great... If my girlfriend existed, there's a reason why we're called the walk up here. You need to drill that in. Ah, oh, got it, got it, got it. We're good. I'm so, just a little overly just because I'm always deathly afraid that I will somehow drop the bottle, spill it, and and all hell breaks loose. But. I think we managed to survive with the sand reconocy. What's the uh, what's the name of that horrible monster in Star Wars that lies at the bottom of Jabba the Hutt's The Sarlacc pit. pit? The Sarlacc pit, yeah. This sand reconocy Z sounds like it belongs in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> it's a fantastic name. It is. The one that kills the The one that killed the Boba Fett. <laughs> All right, so we're going to pour this, Cody. So we don't have an aerator. We just go ahead and pour. Is that right? right? You can pour this guy just fine. It's ready to go. If you wanted to pour it through an aerator, you could. I suppose if you wanted to, you could decant it for a little bit, but it's ready to be drunk now. Perfect. So there's a special reason why I sent these guys this wine, and uh, it's up to you guys if you want to share. No, go. We'll, we're okay. Yes. Share away. Well, we're doing it to celebrate uh, this fine couple's engagement. Woo! Thank you and, so much. And, yes, thank you so much. And it needs to be made clear that, that we are not wine experts. And we are really excited to get fantastic wine. So, oh, Sandrunner um, is made by Robert Hamelman. And he is widely considered by most Arizona wine aficionados to be one of the best winemakers in the state. Oh. Very excellent. That's fantastic. So it's, what I'm getting it, on the nose, I, actually what we should also do is get a picture here sort of. Did you guys freeze? No. Okay, there we go. Well, let me get this. Am I correct in saying that it should be, it, it's fruity and, and dry? You is, am I right in saying Yay! I'm not a complete ignoramus. Whereas I am. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Mm. So, okay. Pigford is gone for the blog. So, what I do when I take a glass of wine is the first thing I generally do is I put it to my nose. Okay. I would say like so, but none of you guys are actually seeing this. This is all going to be an audio podcast. So to say, oh, I do it like this, tells you absolutely nothing. And just take note of the things that I smell. Basically, you're catching the bouquet or the nose. Um, 
The nose is for describing the general qualities. The bouquet is more specific, like, is it flowery? Is it fruity? Is it dark and brooding? That sort hmm. of thing. Was it grown in a sarlacc pit? <laughs> <laughs> I, I assure you, Wilcox is far, far nicer than any of the fine than any fine sarlacc pit. Was this fermented from the dung of stormtroopers past? Klingon blood wine. Woo! <laughs> yes, let's just piss off the other I nerds. I say that, and... that with complete love. I think the name is pretty. Uh, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty great. I like it as a. I buy wine based off of uh, based off of the the label because I'm a designer and I really like the the design on the label. It's awesome. Very austere. Yeah. He he doesn't do much in the way of the frou-frou frippery, and it's just like right, right. plain, ordinary, simple. Love the name. Love, of course, Greek, you know, philosophy and whatnot. And San Reckoner is, of course, a rec- reference to Archimedes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you all knew that. <laughs> so what are you guys getting on the nose of this wine in terms of bouquet and... Mm. I'm getting wine. Smells like a there's good a, night. A, there's a definitive uh, smell of wine in the cup. <laughs> it's your fault for asking us to do this, Cody. We have no idea what we're talking about. Amateur hour with the wine monk. <laughs> or teach us. Teach on Tuesday night. <laughs> teach, teach us, please. <laughs> so what I'm getting, first off, the big thing I notice is you get a lot of those standard Zinfandel qualities, that big, bold, Jammy fruit smell, sort of a blackberry, mm. cherry, mm. blackberry cherry notes, uh, with a little bit of anise. Um, the anise, I suspect, is maybe brought in by the Montepulciano. Um, wait, what's, the, what's the anise? What, what do you, what do you I mean? I think he means. That? Wait, is it pronounced anise or is it anise? I, I never heard it as anise. It could I, be I anise. Is. This is what happens uh, when you read uh, books and never hear people talk about it. Yeah. Right. It's a sweet, it's a sweet, um, sweet, um, I don't know if it's related to fennel. I don't think it is. It's a sweet uh, uh, seed that's added to, I think of it, um, um, I think of it like an Easter bread that, that, that the Orthodox Church does every, yeah, yeah, I think of it an Easter bread because I had an amazing friend back in Salt Lake where I grew up and he always brought me uh, Easter bread and it was the best thing in the world. And it had a lot of anise in it. It had a lot of anise or, or anise. anise. Or whatever. Yeah, we have to okay. look up. Interesting. So in Arabic, uh, it is called yinsun. 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 Really? Yeah. Interesting. So uh, that's how I know it originally. But uh, yeah, I can. I. Or is this confirmation bias? I don't know. I think. Do I do I need to write up a report about this? If you want, I mean that's kind of my job. <laughs> So the other thing I get on the nose is a lot of cedar notes that almost reminds me of, like, a really good bourbon, which to me suggests that this was American oak aged. I could be wrong. I don't really know the details on this wine, Um, mostly because Rob Hellman is as mysterious as I am and lurks in his valley bottom wine fortress in doesn't answer very many questions. But I don't really detect much vanilla. And vanilla, to me, whenever I smell that in a wine, means French oak. So that's kind of how I tell the two apart. 
versus the cedar. Interesting. That's, that's incredible. That I mean, I, I know you you do this as a job. You probably get very good at what you do, and you can detect um, nuances to that level of detail. I think it's incredible that you'd know what kind uh, of wood that would be. Uh, what that kind of wood that would be aged in. It's very cool. Different different oaks again. They impart different characteristics. I mean. One of the reasons why bourbon tastes and smells the way it does is because it's aged in American oak. That's one of the things that denotes a bourbon from, say, a scotch or, I mean, admittedly, I'm kind of talking half out of my ass here because I don't really know whiskeys, but as far as I'm aware, bourbon is aged in American oak, and that bourbon, some of the qualities inherent in bourbon come from American oak. Interesting. Hmm. I also get a little bit of, like, some sort of incense. But anyway, probably as it opens up and we sip it more, we'll detect more notes and more different smells. Is that what you call the note? Uh, notes are like the individual distinctive smells that you can take, you get That's within how the, I the smell. Word it. I'm, I mean, for me to say something as a note, it's like, again, looking Question at the okay. music. Or, you know, this flavor goes and does this thing and combines okay. with this other set of flavors and this other set of notes in the bouquet, and they all come together to create a masterpiece, ideally, or in the rare cases, like, a not-so-great masterpiece, like, you know, Tupac Chuck. Um, interesting. Okay, cool. I've heard I've heard some of these terms thrown around, but I've never had them explained, so uh, feel free to edit that out for the podcast. No, I have no idea how I'm even going to edit this. I may just leave it raw and unedited and be like, this... This podcast is un unfined and unfiltered. Right. This is a punk rock podcast. <laughs> very, very raw. So what are you guys tasting on the wine? What do you get on the palate? Grapes? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of wine again. A lot, a lot of grapes. <laughs> That's just... uh, 2012, I guess, was a good year for... Grapes and I, get, I can only comment on the taste as it pertains to other wine because I think my experience is like is, is so limited. This is like a it's like a mild it's it's more mild but it's also a lot um, warmer and I feel like a lot richer uh, flavor than like some of the other uh, some of the other reds that we've that we've been drinking. I'm enjoying yeah I'm enjoying the mixture of dry and, and fruity. Typically I don't when I think of wine I think of dry wine being typically less fruity. Or intense a fruit flavor than this wine. It's yeah. it's an interesting mix. I really like it. I really do too. And I just so happened I wasn't sure if this was going to be a sweet wine or a red. I just pulled out some um, some stuff that I had, and uh, I had some goat cheese covered in cranberries and cinnamon, and it actually goes with this wine very well. Yeah, it tastes really good together. So I was mm-hmm. a little worried. I'm like, oh, we'll see how it works. Um, and I, I also pulled out some smoked salmon, which was is not a sweet item, and it pairs with it rather well, actually, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually would have considered um, salmon with this one, but it would work quite well. You're right. That's, and again, all on you how you prepare it. I mean, if you smoke it, the smoky characteristic of that smoked salmon is going to go really well with the palate structure of this wine, that sort of smoky, cedary thingy-mabobber doohickey going on. And for me, what I'm tasting, again, is the stereotypical jam that you usually get in Zens. Right. Um, that sort of blackberry, cherry, currant, plum jam. It's like, look at me, I'm big, bold, and fruity, and I'm in your face. 
But at the same time, it's not like those really punch-you-in-the-face Zins that I really am not terribly fond of from California. Um, it's more subtle and nuanced. I feel like there's more notes. I also get a little bit of cedar, some herb notes, actually, in there, too, in the bass. Um, I want to say sort of like a fennel, tarragon, uh, rosemary thing going on. Um, sort of at the base of the palate, at the base of my tongue. It's got a nice finish, too. It's pretty long-lasting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, it's... it's. I'm sorry that we don't have... Um, I, I don't have other uh, vocabulary to describe the wine. I, it is kind of an experience that... Warm and tasty and, and whiny and, and made of grapes. <laughs> um, this is what you get, Cody, for asking people who just mostly buy wine based on what other people tell them and how cool the label looks. Yes. So, you get... Descriptions like whiny and tasty. Well, that actually gets to the crux of why I critique wine in the way I do. I don't give an numerical rating like a lot of other wine reviewers because I feel like that's misleading because, frankly, my palate is different from your palate. It's different from the palates of anyone who's going to listen to this. Um, So, you know, what I say that I like, you know, you might not like, which is Mm -hmm. why I never give a number rating. Um, and I will admit, normally I detest Zinfandel. To me, Zinfandel sounds like the name of a frickin' elf from Lord of the Rings. Um, probably was. Yeah, you're right, it probably was. Zinfandel, Zinfandel, tell me, what do your elf eyes see? But uh, this is delicious. Right, right. This is probably the best yeah. Arizona Zinfandel I've ever had. I mean, granted, it's got a few other things in it, blended in, the Multipolciano, which is an Italian grape, and then, mm-hmm. of course, our... Uh, other big red friend that we see everywhere, Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, the latter of which, that Cab Sauv, is probably providing a really nice tannic backbone to this wine that I feel like it has. Pairing, smoked salmon. I would have actually recommended a, a steak with this, too. Oh, yeah. I could totally see that being amazing. Is it safe to say that all red wine pairs relatively okay with all meat, red meat? That's a general rule of thumb. I mean, there are some exceptions. Lighter reds like Sangiovese you can pair with fowl um, or with something with a lot of red sauce just because the mm. a lot of those Italian reds are a little bit more acidic on the palate. So they pair well with those acidic foods from Italy. Like, you know, say pasta with red sauce, fuel primavera. General rule of thumb is though red meat is a good pairing with red wine. White meat is generally a good pairing with white wine, but there is a lot of overlap. Viognier, you could get away with um, doing veal with, for example. Although that's not really a red meat, but I'm not really sure what color that would be. Anyway. If you let it get old enough, it'd be red meat. I'm going to assume it's red meat. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. (laughs) I'm just going to assume. You're bad. This actually has a lot of tannins in it. I feel like this wine's going to age really well. You know? What, for, again, forgive like the uneducated questions. Generally speaking, when wine ages, what happens to the taste? Does it um, get more acidic or more robust? The general rule of thumb is that those dry tannins slowly break apart. The wine gets a right. little bit more subtle. That fruit becomes more soft and rounded. Okay. Um, when a wine is described as having well-rounded tannins, what that means is that the tannins have broken down a fair bit. You get new flavors out. Sometimes the wine will become more complex, in many ways more drinkable. Case case in point, um, some of those big Barolos made from 
Nebbiolo, which is actually another grape that um, Rob Heimelman is growing, although he generally mm-hmm. mixes Nebbiolo into a rosé. Some of those in Italy you cannot drink for about 10 years because those tannins are so strong and so mouth-puckering that it's just like, oh, I need to let this sit. Which is why uh, I have two bottles of Berlo for the if-I-ever-pay-off-my-student-loans party. Because in 20 or 30 years, when they're ready, they'll be drinkable. So what is your impression of this wine overall? Uh, I'm, like, I'm really... No, no, I... I would totally, this would, this is one of those wines that I feel like are, uh, is repeatable. Like I could see myself take, keeping several bottles and drinking it throughout the month. It's very, like, it's, it's, and that's kind of, yeah, it's, it's very rare that I'm, that, um, we kind of get the same thing. Um, we're kind of all, always circulating around, but I could totally see myself wanting, like seeking this out in, in, uh. And wanting in, to keep a few bottles on. Yeah, yeah. For, absolutely. For dinner. Or or lunch if you're or, or breakfast if you're you know if it's a Sunday. Now that's an interesting question. What breakfast food would we pair with this wine? A quiche. I was gonna say yeah. A quiche. Uh, a scrambled like... quiche. A scrambled quiche. Uh, <laughs> uh, stop putting words in my mouth. <laughs> I would pair it with maybe a quiche. <laughs> that was um. Quiche. Shut up. <sighs> I I would pair it with a quiche. Um. That wasn't a sweeter quiche. So one that was maybe made with an array of uh, vegetables, mushroom, maybe yeah. garlic. Maybe if you put meat in it, like a some sort of like breakfast sausage or what about smoked what was, salmon we were talking about earlier? The smoked yeah. salmon. I've never actually put smoked salmon in a quiche, but that could be really good. There you go, Cody. I will give that a try. Yeah, I get. Invite me over when when it happens. I'll I'll pop into my teleporter. Well, definitely. We'll uh, we'll bake you a wedding quiche. That's that's a that's a cultural thing with your people, right? No, it's not a cultural no. thing. Okay, okay, never mind. But I'm a monk. I can't get married. I'm talking sure. about our wedding quiche. Oh wait, and so celebration. So you're baking yourself a wedding quiche? Yeah. Well, we're baking. We're baking one to share with you, Cody. Oh, there and, we go. And we'll start with the Sandrak and Z. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to get a couple more bottles of that and bring that up. Perfect. Yeah, it was really good. I really like this. And uh, we'll here, I'll give you more. Thank you. I will definitely check to see if this is available locally because yeah. I could, I could totally Probably see this as this Really? Um, as far as I'm aware, San Reckoner doesn't export out of state. Oh really? Uh, San Reckoner. Like the only ones that you might fleet. find in Colorado where you're at is um, probably Stronghold. And Stronghold doesn't do his in. Okay. But is it the name of town or is it the name of a of a of a beverage store, a retail store? What? No, I think it's the name of the What what Stronghold? What is this? Arizona Stronghold is one of the other wineries and they're the only ones that export out of state. Or it's also where Elrond stays with his uh ham servant Zinfidel. Yeah. He okay. stays at Stronghold. Uh Zinfidel also doubles as an Ottoman when uh when needed. Really? Really? I'm surprised that you're mentioning Ottomans. I thought you didn't like them being Lebanese. Furniture? Because I know me being Greek Orthodox, I hate the Ottomans. <laughs> you see, guys, this is what happens when you drink with me. It gets terribly, terribly random. This is... I'm okay with this. So, guys, oh, I remember. Like this. this is great. If this was, if this one was a person, I remember our family together. This one was a person. Who would it be, or what would it be like? 
Johnny Depp. He's so versatile. Sorry, say again? Boo. <laughs> Boo. I'm joking. Boo. I'm joking. He said Johnny Depp because Johnny Depp is so no. versatile. But I said it ironically. Said it. But no. No. Irony doesn't come through over internets, irony. remember? Irony. Remember? Irony is very difficult to uh, detect on. Hold on. Um, calls dropping. Oh, maybe. Oh, did you Hold want me on. to repeat that? Hold on. I'm turning it's off the uh, video. So maybe that'll okay. Okay. get a little we bit. We can do the okay. same to help the reception. There we go. Okay, there we go. Sorry, Is you were b- saying? It wasn't a joke worth going back for, honestly. Okay. <laughs> it involved Johnny Depp, I mean. Uh... Um, so, I don't know. I Let me taste this again. Let me taste this again. I'm thinking this wine is definitely masculine. Yeah. It is masculine. It's a little it's too... It's masculine or it's Meryl Streep. It's a little too... <laughs> Harrison Ford. Jeff Bridges. That's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting That's for that. Pretty good. Uh, let me taste this again. You don't necessarily have to be an actor, but that's usually who we you know, first. You know what? If I was going to say this was a Star Wars character, I'd say this is a Lando Calrissian. <laughs> okay, explain your thought train. It's smooth, it's suave, it's probably, uh, it belongs up in the clouds. Um, it's, uh, uh, probably will, would betray me to, uh, Darth Vader if he cut him a good enough deal. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of nuance to this, so there's don't trust it completely, of, right? There's a lot of nuance to this. Yeah, definitely <laughs> super subtle. Super subtle. But also, you know, he could, he could be back on your side at a moment's notice, just like this wine, just like Sand Reckoner. And you're allowed to put that on the front of the bottle. Like the Lando Calrissian of wines. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've settled it, gang. This, this wine is Lando Calrissian from uh, Star Wars. I love that guy. Buy me the wine. You'll move, you'll move so many bottles. <laughs> <laughs> it's either a Jess or a, or a Daniel Day-Lewis. That man, the man of a million faces. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh... The wine is impossibly method. It is impossibly method. It goes with everything. Damn it, it goes with everything! Perfect. Well, I know one thing this wine won't go with, and that's chocolate ice cream. Oh. Yeah. With everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't have chocolate ice cream. You didn't give us homework! We should have prepared. We would have gotten chocolate ice cream. That sounds amazing. Well, I'm sorry. I'll try not to do it again. Well, we'll just know next time we get this, we'll buy a chocolate ice cream to go with it. Well, I, actually, I was saying that it might not go with chocolate ice cream. but Oh, you said it wouldn't go with chocolate ice cream. Oh, sorry. You cut out there for a second. Yeah, what? well, this is what happens when you live on a mountain far, far away. I wouldn't go with the milk chocolate ice cream, but I think it would go with the dark chocolate ice cream. If it was a chocolate ice cream that was more bittersweet dark, than sweet. Yeah, dark. dark chocolate it would work with, but not milk chocolate, not by a long shot. Oh, it would go with, um, you know what it would go with? If anyone's gotten the, uh, crud, what's the chocolate brand name? It's the nice bars of chocolate that come in percentages of cocoa, um, and they have one that's a chili, and... Dark chocolate flavor and it's a chili, like a like a pepper chili, like a pepper chili. It's got a kick to country. it, and it would. I think it would go really well with this. Gosh, that would, would be perfect with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, crud. It's available in most stores. I I can't I remember it, the name off the top the of my head. Is. It comes in a white package. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, it's a chili. I, I don't know if there's that many that 
most supermarkets carry. So I'm sure if you just go to your supermarket and ask for the bar of chocolate that has a bit of chili in it, then I'm sure it'll be the only one there. We'll deliver it. And uh, it pairs really well with the smoked salmon and this uh, cheese, this goat cheese that I got that's covered in cranberry and cinnamon. And I actually bought, got both these items at Costco. Bless Costco. What would I do without it? I don't know. You know, come to think of it, I think I am getting, now that this wine has opened up, a little bit of cinnamon on the nose, too. Hmm. It's definitely the nose has just become super complex, even more than it was. It's really hard to parse it. It's like looking at a goddamn, uh, it's like looking at a freaking Latin word and like, oh, crap, how am I going to parse this? Really, parsing a wine is kind of like parsing a, a, a word in a foreign language. you got to figure out all the different things. That's kind of how I look at it anyway. Any Latinists who might be listening. I don't think it's necessarily parsing a Ooh. word. It's parsing... Um, it's parsing the part of speech. This is this would be an ablative of something, one of the bajillion of ablatives of something that exists in Latin. This is what this wine is. It could be a million things in one. So let's let's go with ablative of location. Okay, I like that. It because could be that. This, this wine does have the classic, also um, on the nose, the very classic um, sort of Virginia pipe tobacco blend notes that I've been noticing in a lot of Wilcox Reds. Um, why? Why is that? I honestly don't know. Um, it's kind of easy to explain the minerality that you get in a lot of Wilcox whites um, because of there's a layer of caliche about 20 feet down in the soil, which is all calcium carbonate. But you also have the aquifer that Wilcox is sitting on. Um, the basin rocks for that are um, ocean rocks from the Pedregosa Sea, about 200 and 265, 270 million years ago. Um, that whole area was ocean. And some of those rocks also got uplifted along with the Chiricahuas that came later. But um, um, I, you can easily explain that minerality, but I haven't figured out yet as to why um, Wilcox reds seem to be sort of peppery and with notes of Virginia Cavendish pipe tobacco. That's just something that I've noticed in almost every single Wilcox red. And I don't get that with reds coming from Sonoida. I don't get that with wines coming from the Verde. And I definitely did not get that with the few reds I've had from uh, Chino Valley. Mm. And I haven't had any wines from Kingman yet, so I have no idea how they compare. That's going to be a fun project. You should make like an interactive wine map with all of the tastes that you, uh, you find regionally. Well, actually... Um, the Arizona Geological Society um, contacted me because I'd recently asked them a bunch of questions um, about Sonoida geology and just trying to parse that landscape, and um, which right. is just really interesting. Um, it's one of the few places where you get uh, volcanic rocks from the Mesozoic period, and there's right. also a few Cretaceous sedimentary rocks, which means that you know there's fossil dinosaurs near Sonoida if you know where to look. Apparently, that's. Um, but the point is, um, I was emailing them, and apparently they're actually working on a project very, very similar to that. Really? Um, Gosh, that would be amazing. So, you know, uh, the I idea think... is that we're going to, um, this is a bit premature, but we're going to be uh, 
talking. I'm going to be talking to a couple of folks there on next Monday, and we're going to figure out how we can possibly do this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that project because it's it's like I said the other day, and I'm going to repeat myself here um, because I like quoting myself because that's how awesome I am. Well, yeah, it's authority. It's the authoritative word. Yeah. No, really, I was probably much more interested in an Arizona version of that horrible film Sideways than I would, you know, if it was set in Arizona and not in California. So if you ever decide to redo it and just like throw in dinosaurs and Arizona, I I would be much more open to watching that. That would literally be a better movie if mm-hmm. they had yeah. dinosaurs. But every movie would be better with dinosaurs. Yeah, every movie is better with dinosaurs. This is true. If it's not, it should be. But hold on, I'm trying to, uh, what I said about geology the other day on the Facebook page. Um, the only movie that really made better with dinosaurs was possibly Jurassic Park, but that's because they had to compete with Jeff Goldblum. So, I mean, you can't really... If it was just two hours of Jeff Goldblum, Jeff they, Goldblum-ing? I got of his... Dinosaurs would be a nice side. And, uh, two hours, uh, it's looped that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here's what I said, Um, and this is why I think understanding the geology of a given vineyard site is very, very important. Um, And I'm going to quote myself here from what I posted yesterday. Stegosaurus in this red. (laughs) For the geologically minded wine critic, Tawar is the signpost of destiny. Already, the geologist with his training and sharp eyes can see landscapes that are long gone, present only in fragments. But the critic of the wine who knows the deepest history of a place can take that fragment and taste it. The critic can parse the wine in his glass like a dead language and make it alive by saying, This wine smells of the ancient sea crashing upon wild shores, and mean every word, because the pieces of that ancient sea are there. This is why I feel Tawar in wines is intensely important. Tawar doesn't only tell you where the grape is from today, but it tells you where the grapes are from in the deepest of yesterdays. Hmm. I like that. Bam! Hmm. Hmm. I I actually was really, really proud of myself when I came up with that. I I totally admit. And I'm super excited for the the map, but the... uh... Fantastic. As a data nerd, I would... I would yeah, I, would I have no that. idea when that's going to be done, um, I, but it's going to be a fun project because it'll probably require me to do a lot of research on foot um, and also in the tasting room because, gosh, that just yeah. sounds like a horrible, horrible thing to have to do. <laughs> right, you know, well, you gotta you got to suffer for your art and your craft. I was like, gosh, I'm going to have to drink and look at geology. Those are like two of the worst things ever. <laughs> That was entirely sarcasm, by the way, internet, just in case. I know, I know. The internet's really, really horrible at... at, at um, Slash S. And getting sarcasm, you know. Anyway, getting sarcasm. We should probably wrap this, this up because we're going at 33 minutes now um, in terms of the podcast. Um, but I'd love to hang out with you guys after I, I close this out because, sure. you know, let's not um, end things so quickly. But... Uh, I'm assuming that most people that are going to be listening to this are not going to have the same sort of attention span unless they also have a sand record or Z in their class. 
They they clicked next as soon as I said Lando Calrissian, and I'm sorry. No, probably not. You you know that there's five people that would have probably jumped right in at that point, going That's Lando Calrissian. What? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? It's more like a Boba Fett. No, this is not Boba Fett. It's not nearly as annoying, and it's not annoying at all. In fact, or maybe but it's mysterious. Or maybe yeah. I'm just thinking of Boba Fett fanboys. Ooh, burn. Yeah. You probably would be. And here comes the hate mail. You're talking to a guy who wrote a 20-page fan fiction of Boba Fett when he was 12. <laughs> so oh, maybe you should check yourself, Cody. Before I wreck myself. Probably. Anyway, oh, um, places you can acquire the Sand Reckoner Z, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as far as I'm aware, um, you can get it at AJ's Fine Foods at just about any location for that. Most of those are in Phoenix and Tucson. Um, I suspect you can probably also find it at the Arizona Wine Store in Scottsdale. And if you're living in the Verde Valley like myself, you can find this bottle, like I did, at the IGA Marketplace um, in Oak Creek Village. Um, I want to thank again uh, my good friends Mia and Zach for joining us tonight. Um, on thank you. What thank will hopefully be awesome. the first of many podcasts um, for the Wine Monk. Um, I so or at the very least, this will be the first one. Um, there's going to be at least one more um, for Valentine's Day. Um, long story. Well, we'll get there when we get there. Um, we've got months yet. Um, but anyway, I want to thank you guys again for joining me tonight. Um, congratulations once again. Cheers. Uh, yeah. thank Cheers. You. Cheers. We're going to clink our glasses. Yeah, here. here we go. Ready? One, one, two, one, two, three. three. Uh, thank you guys for joining me on the Arizona Wine Monk. Um, hope you guys enjoy yourselves eventually a bottle of the Z. Thank and, you so uh, much for having this. Yeah, super good. Thank you so much. You're welcome, guys. You know, I wanted to send you guys a good bottle to celebrate, and I've never had a bad San Reckoner wine yet, and I strongly doubt I will ever unless it gets corked, which is, you know, <laughs> not, not something in your control. <laughs> But anyway, thank you guys again. Thank you all for joining me this fine evening on a Tuesday. Yes, we're drinking on Tuesday. If you don't like it, then um, don't listen to me on a Tuesday. Um, listen to me on a Friday or something. Anyway, you can also find more information on Sand Reckoner at www.sandreckoner.com. Um, and yeah, you guys have a great afternoon, gang. This is the Wine Monk signing off. And we're going to...